right, welcome to your monthly special bonus edition of Strong Words with Ian Strong. I'm your host, Ian Strong, and thank you so much for joining me for another volume of Shot Glass Diaries that I do here on the show, where I take one of the many shot glasses that I've used to commemorate one of the many trips that I've taken in my lifetime out of one of the cabinets that I use in my kitchen to store them, and I tell you the story of that trip. This one's going to be taking us back to 2013 on the first leg of my honeymoon that I spent with my late wife, Amy, to beautiful San Francisco, California. I'll tell you a hilarious story about how my balls almost kept me from getting on the plane. And then I'll tell you about some of the greatest places and experiences that I had in this beautiful city on the West Coast. I'll tell you about some places that I ate. I'll tell you about some of the tourist attraction places that I went to. I'll tell you about a day that Amy and I spent in Napa Valley touring Cake Bread Cellars Winery, getting my first deep tissue massage at a spa there, drinking the most delicious milkshake I ever had before touring Alcatraz Island. And I'll tell you all about that and more in this volume of... Diaries. So for this shot glass diary, I'm going to be chronicling the first leg of the honeymoon that took me to California back in 2013. Now, I actually already covered the second leg of the three legs of this trip in Los Angeles in a previous shot glass diary all the way back in volume three. So if you want to go back to episode 14 after you're done with this one and hear more of the story in the order in which it took place, I suggest that you do so. And then later on down the line, I'll do the final leg of our trip, which was in San Diego. But for today, we are just talking about San Francisco, California, which was the first of the three destinations that we decided to go on our honeymoon. So when my late wife, Amy, and I got married in October of 2012, we decided to put off our honeymoon and plan it outright based on the amount of money that we received as gifts from our guests at the wedding, because we had already been living with each other for a year at this point, and we didn't really need any of the traditional wedding gifts that you would give somebody. We just asked that everybody contribute for us to go on a really nice trip, and depending on how much we received in gifts for that trip, that's how we were going to decide for the trip. And since neither of us had really ever done any extensive traveling in California. I'd never been to the state myself. It was obviously a bucket list choice that we were putting toward the top of the list of dream destinations to go on this trip. She was thinking a lot more overseas, but I I said, I really want to see more of our own country. And if we were to take a domestic trip, where would you want to go? And she said, California. And when we were deciding on places to go in California, we didn't want to just do one. We wanted to do the big ones. So we did San Francisco, Los Angeles, San Diego. And the San Francisco portion of our trip, we were going to spend four days out there, but one of the days we were actually going to set aside and just drive through Napa Valley as part of our stay in San Francisco. So I let her take charge of planning all of the arrangements for travel and hotel and stay and all that, which in retrospect was great because I didn't have to worry about any of that stuff while I was working out of town at the time. But she also didn't do the most economical choosing of these particular things like rental cars and hotel stays and stuff like that. Obviously, I'm not complaining at this point because they were all great memories, but I'm a little bit more frugal than she was when it came to that kind of stuff. But getting to San Francisco in itself is a story because what we decided to do is we were going to take a train from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania to Philadelphia and then fly from Philadelphia to San Francisco. So we got on the train, got to the airport, and then started to check in for our flight. And we flew on Virgin Airlines, which I'm not even sure is still an airline at this point, but at the time, and still to this day, it is my favorite 
airline that I've ever flown on. I mean, all Amy had to do was mention that we were going on our honeymoon, and they made many accommodations for us. They upgraded our seating. They gave us free access to movies that were playing on the screens and the headrests in front of us. They gave us some free booze. None of these things I'm complaining about. But before we even got on the plane, while we're in the airport, I went through one of those like body scanners, you know, where you stand in a little cylindrical scanner with your feet shoulder width apart and your hands up in the air while this thing whooshes your entire body and does a scan. And they made me go through it four times because I guess every time they were getting something on their scan that required them to make me do it again. And they kept like emphasizing that I needed to stay still, even though I was as still as could possibly be. And after the fourth time, they asked me to come with them. And Amy was like, where are you taking them? And they're like, man, you're just gonna have to wait there. And as I'm walking with them, I turn around and I look at the scanned image, which is basically just like a stick figure. But there was a little yellow box indicating something wasn't right, right around the groin area. So I'm not exactly sure what to think at this point. They take me to a small room, which was basically the size of a walk-in closet. And they asked me to take off my shoes. They tell me later this because they wanted to check the shoes for any type of like bomb-making residue or things like that. And then they leave the room and one person comes back and starts putting on some vinyl gloves. And I'm like, whoa, 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 is this a cavity search? Like, what is going on here? And they were like, no, 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 it's not going to be that invasive. I'm like, well, thank God it's not going to be that invasive. Well, what do you want me to do? And they said, well, first, why don't you stand with your feet just like they were in the scanner, shoulder width apart with your hands up in the air over your head. And I'm just going to stand behind you and I'm going to search you. And basically their method of searching me, because I'm assuming the scanned image in which it came up to prompt this search, was the person got on their knees behind me and then reached around my waist and did three sweeps, so to speak, across the front of my torso region. The first one was just above the waistline. The second one, the thumb just went right inside the waistline of my pants. And then he like prefaced for me to not like freak out, but then he slowly went right over the the strong one and his two buddies, so to speak, if you know what I'm saying. And at that point he said, okay, we'll be right back. And I'm like, well, what, what does this even mean? Like, why am I here? What is it? What is happening? So they come back, they retrieve my shoes, they tell me to put them on, and I'm okay to go. And I'm like, what was that all about? And they said that sometimes the scanner picks up some type of anatomical abnormality, and it's, it's in that case that we need to just check and make sure that nothing is there that shouldn't be. And I'm like, are you telling me that my balls are so big that they ended up tripping your scanner and you thought that I was smuggling something in my pants? And he basically just said, yeah, that's it. And I said, I can't wait to tell the world about this. I get my phone out. I start tweeting about it. I start texting about it. I meet up with Amy. I tell her about it. She cannot stop laughing because this ended up being like the origin story of Ian's big balls. I'm not going to elaborate any further on that, but now I have proof. Which is kind of funny because I've flown many times since then and I'm yet to experience this issue a second time. I'm guessing that the anatomical abnormality was an anomaly in and of itself. So we get on our Virgin Airline flight and to go from Philadelphia to San Francisco, it's about a six hour flight and we, did, we took a direct flight. So I had enough time to watch two movies. I watched The Silver Linings Playbook and I watched Django Unchained. I'd seen Django Unchained in the theater. It was the first time I'd seen it since it had been out of theaters. And this was the first time I'd seen Silver Linings Playbook. And I enjoyed both movies. So once Amy and I touched down in San Francisco, 
she had arranged that we were going to be picking up a Ford Mustang convertible as our rental car because she thought that it would be a great idea to take that vehicle from San Francisco to L.A. doing the coastal drive that I chronicled in the other Los Angeles volume of the Shot Glass Diaries. But when we got to the rental car place, I guess she hadn't put a deposit on it and they weren't able to secure it. And there ended up being a giant miscommunication because it's super late at night and we're three hours behind our regular time. So banks on the East Coast are far closed and we can't get in touch with anybody. And I hadn't made the previous arrangements that you must make in order for your card to be able to work so far away from home. Because at the time I only had a debit card. I still to this day only had a debit card. And I wasn't able to use it because it was denied being so far away. So we ended up just saying, all right, well, since we can't do that, why don't we just take a cab to the hotel and we'll figure it out the, you know, the next day. Luckily for us, the concierge actually let us know at our hotel, which we stayed at the Fairmont in San Francisco, one of the most famous and prestigious hotels in all of the city. It sits at the top of Knob Hill, so you can get an entire, like, you can see Alcatraz Island from our window. You can see the Golden Gate Bridge. It's been featured in movies. Again, it's one of the more luxurious hotels that I probably wouldn't have booked if I was in charge of making our travel arrangements, but again, I have no complaints. They are a phenomenal hotel, phenomenal staff, amazing concierge, and they actually had a rental car place inside the hotel, and we were able to secure our rental car from there because I had a little bit more say in what we were choosing. I didn't decide to go with a gas-guzzling convertible. I decided to go with a Nissan Altima Hybrid because I cared about the gas mileage. So once we got into our room, which... Again, Amy let them know that we'd be there on our honeymoon. There were chocolate-covered strawberries, a complimentary bottle of champagne, a welcome note, and a little map of places to go in the city. And we didn't really want to get too involved in anything because of how long we spent traveling. We actually ended up getting pretty irritated with each other by the time we got to bed that night just because it was a long day of traveling and we hit some speed bumps along the way and not nothing that we couldn't reconcile. It was just... We were exhausted and ready to hit the sack by the time we got to our hotel room. So one of the things we knew we wanted to do while we were in San Francisco is we wanted to do a tour of Alcatraz Island. And unbeknownst to us, you actually need to make reservations in order to do that. And when I say make reservations, I don't mean that you can just get up the next morning and call up and say, hey, I want to come at one o'clock to Alcatraz. I mean, like you have to book it well in advance, so much so that we ended up not being able to go until the day that we were planning to leave San Francisco to head to L.A. We had gotten into town on Friday and we're planning on leaving on Monday and we weren't able to get a reservation to tour Alcatraz Island until Monday morning. So we figured in between then, you know, we got a day that we're going to be doing in Napa Valley and we want to see some more of the city. So the first place that we went to when we got into San Francisco was Fisherman's Wharf. Fisherman's Wharf, you'll find, is one of the more tourist attraction-y places at the top of the list of all your travel advisor sites. There's a ton of restaurants down there. It's where you take the ferry to Alcatraz Island. There's wax museums and street performers. And on the way there, we saw a cable car museum. And then we went into another museum that was full of old and classic arcade games. Pinball machines, ones that were from the... 1920s and 30s and 40s. Really cool to see. We walked around the museum. I got myself some clam chowder and a sourdough bread bowl, which is like a specialty of the area. We checked out some of the boats and fishermen that are there. And then we walked all the way back to the hotel, which it is quite a trip to walk from Fisherman's Wharf all the way back to the Fairmont because it is uphill the whole way. We made it about halfway before we decided to take a cable car the rest of the way. 
Plus, that was something that we wanted to do while we are in San Francisco anyway. You can't go to San Francisco and not ride a cable car once. So after most of the day hanging out at Fisherman's Wharf and we got back to our hotel room, at that point, Amy was just kind of out for the evening. Back then, her quality of life was good, if not better than normal, but extraneous walking and activities like that would definitely take all of the energy out of her to where we ended up not going anywhere else the rest of the night. I ended up, while she took a nap, went down to one of the three bars that were in the hotel that we were staying in. The bar that I ended up going to was the Tonga Room and Tiki Bar and Hurricane Bar, which apparently is like one of the more iconic San Francisco bars. It features live entertainment and dancing. There's exceptional Polynesian food in like a tropical setting. And, you know, they have like a little small like rainforest in the center, kind of like a rainforest cafe. But I just went down, had myself some drinks, met some people that were also staying at the hotel that were joining. Well, I don't want to say joining me at the bar, but we ended up hanging out for the rest of the evening and just had a really great time. I did end up looking up maybe some places that we can go if Amy ended up waking up to check out some of the nightlife. Her sister had gotten us a book, which is like a traveler's guide to San Francisco and where some of the hot spots may be, but it ended up not happening. So we decided the next day we were going to make our trek up to Napa Valley. We didn't exactly have any plans for Napa Valley. We just knew that we wanted to drive through the beautiful wineries of California and eventually stop at one of them and just check it out. So we're driving through Napa Valley. It is absolutely gorgeous. Just running up these roads of these beautiful wineries. And eventually we decided to just randomly turn and stop into what ended up being the one that we ended up touring, Cake Bread Cellars. And what a day we picked to just randomly go to Cake Bread Cellars Winery because on this day they were celebrating and having a giant party to celebrate their 50th anniversary as a winery. We ended up getting tickets to do a tour. We did some wine tasting. We checked out their wines and their Chardonnays and we walked around the winery and they told us all about how the wine got made. Uh, Amy's patience with my sense of humor got lost about five minutes after I pretended to be a wine snob and it just wasn't working out. But we ended up mailing home a couple of bottles of wine and their Chardonnay back home because you can't travel with that stuff. But one thing that Amy did arrange for this day that we were going to spend in Napa Valley is she had booked us a reservation at a spa there. So Cake Bread Cellars was on our way to the spa. We knew that we were going to be killing some time at one of the wineries while we waited for our appointment at the spa. She had booked us a couple's massage, which I'd never had a massage before. But this was like one of those spas that you like hear about or see about like on television and movies where like they give you a white robe and they lead they lead you to where you can take a steam shower and sit in the sauna and there's some champagne and some fruit while you enjoy your relaxing stay. And when it came time to get our couples massage, we were right next to each other on separate tables and had separate masseuses. And because of the fact that I had never had a massage before and I'm a kind of a bigger guy. I carry some extra muscle and some extra weight. And from all the time that I had spent wrestling, she had recommended to my massage therapist that I get a deep tissue massage. And I don't remember exactly how long our massage was. I want to say it was approximately 90 minutes to two hours. But this woman destroyed me. Now, I have a little bit too much pride as a man to be able to say that she was physically capable of harming me. But there were a few times in which it took a lot to hold back my grimacing. I don't exactly know how she was did it, but I feel like she was rearranging my organs from outside of my body. That's how much she was getting in there. She ended up doing a number on me to the point where for like the next two or three days I was sore. 
she advised me to drink plenty of water, which is apparently something that you should be doing plenty of after you get a massage because it, among many of the physical and mental benefits of having massage, it increases your circulation. So not only are you doing just extensive work to all of your soft tissue, but it's also increasing circulation on it. So drinking a lot of water to replenish your fluids and all that stuff is highly important and highly recommended from massage therapists after you get a massage. They also recommended that I take another steam shower afterwards in order to remove all of the oils and essences and whatever the hell they used on my body. And then from there, we looked, as we were finishing up our stay at the spa, we looked right across the street, and there was almost like this kind of pop-up stand that was serving hamburgers and shakes and stuff like that. And we decided we were just going to go across the street and get something to eat. And I got to tell you, I wish I knew the name of this place because it, it not only did it have the greatest milkshake I ever tasted, but their burgers were pretty damn good too. So much so that even though she and I were kind of lactose intolerant, we each had a milkshake apiece and then split another one. Now, obviously, as you're talking about San Francisco, you can't not talk about the Golden Gate Bridge, which is one of the more famous attractions and iconic images of the city. And we ended up driving on it to get out of the city and get towards Napa, and then we drove back through. I think she took a bunch of videos from the time that we were on it, and at one point we started singing the Full House theme song. <laughs> and then we just kind of continued our drive, made our way back to San Francisco, back to our hotel at the Fairmont, and enjoyed the rest of our evening. Because we knew that the next day, we not only were we going to be leaving to head to Los Angeles, but we also had our tour of Alcatraz Island on deck first thing in the morning. So the morning that we went to tour Alcatraz, we made our way back down to Fisherman's Wharf, where you meet up with the Alcatraz cruise line or whatever ferry it is that actually takes you to the island of Alcatraz, which is in the San Francisco Bay, approximately mile, mile and a half from the shore. And it is actually considered a national park. It hasn't been a functioning prison since I want to say 1963. The island itself is about 12 acres big, which I think roughly translates to about 45 to 50,000 square meters. Don't check the math on me on that. I'm not exactly sure. But once you get off the ferry and you get onto the island, you see all these really strange, like, almost graffiti-like signs welcoming Indians to the island. And I learned that the reason for that was back in 1969, there was an occupation of Alcatraz, which was like a 19-month-long protest that had American Indians from all over the country occupying Alcatraz Island in protest, saying that the United States government either retired or abandoned or stole federal land that should be returned to them who once occupied it. And because Alcatraz had been closed as a penitentiary, the island had been declared surplus federal property. So a number of Indian activists felt like that the island qualified for reclaim by them. And so they decided to basically overtake the island and somewhat hold it hostage. And a lot of the, I'll call it indigenous graffiti welcoming Indians to the island still is there to this day. And then once you're on the island, you're kind of free to just walk yourself around. There's a lot of cool things to see outside. Obviously, there's a lot of great things to see inside. When you're looking at the outside, you know, you can check out the recreation area. They actually have a little sectioned off door that indicated that it was a morgue. There was a small garden that was still being tended to by a lot of the people who either work or volunteer there. And then once you got inside, there was actually a really cool kind of like a walking tour in which you were given a set of headphones, and they basically tell you where to stand and where to walk to throughout the inside of the penitentiary while giving you a historical lesson on where you're standing at that specific moment. So you got to see the insides of the cell. You got to see the insides of 
solitary confinement, which I actually got a video, I'll post it on the social media pages at Ian Strong Words, of me standing inside basically a 9 by 5 cell that they didn't allow light to come into the room that they used as quote-unquote the hole or solitary confinement. There's a display there of what the guards actually wore as part of their uniform back then. One of the stories that they told me was how somebody was able to actually manufacture in their cell a bar spreader in order to spread the bar so that they can attempt to escape. And they let us know that while many people had tried to escape from the island, if you tried, you probably wouldn't make it. Because again, like I said, it's about a mile to a mile and a half swim to shore, and it's usually against the current. And with the water being as cold as it is, it's very likely that you would end up dying of either hypothermia or drowning before you'd ever make it back to the San Francisco shore. There's lots of other great information and things that you can see from Alcatraz Island. If you ever make your way out to San Francisco, it is a must-see destination. I'm sure it's on the top of every tourist list, uh, anybody who checks out the city of San Francisco. And I actually picked up a shot glass specifically from Alcatraz. It's one of those little novelty shot glasses that looks like a little gun. It's got a you know pistol grip handle and a couple barrels sticking out of the side, and it says Alcatraz, a shot from the rock. The rock being, of course, the nickname of Alcatraz Island as well as Dwayne Johnson. But once we got back to Fisherman's Wharf from our ferry and we said goodbye to San Francisco, I stopped at another novelty shop on our way back to our car so that I can pick up a shot glass from San Francisco that wasn't exactly depicting Alcatraz on it. And it's basically just your basic San Francisco shot glass of the skyline, and it has the Golden Gate Bridge on it. I'll post that along on the social media pages as well. And then at this point of the story... You can pretty much go right back to Volume 3 of Shot Glass Diaries all the way back in Episode 14 and pick up where we drove down the coastal highway to L.A. for a couple of days. And then from there, in a future Shot Glass Diary, I'll talk to you about the final leg of our trip, which we spent four days in San Diego. But as far as San Francisco goes, I want to say it was probably my favorite city of all three on the trip, especially when it came to the things that we did and the things that we saw and the shot glasses that I got and... As far as the first leg of my honeymoon goes, I don't think I could have picked a better place. Regular listeners of this show know that I don't do this show just so I can sell out. That I wouldn't endorse a product that I didn't believe in. That I like to highlight people from my hometown that are doing amazing things. And that's why I'm happy to be sponsored in part by Rolling Acre, makers of CBD and CBG products from my hometown of Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Rolling Acre Farm sits on 105 beautiful pesticide-free acres in Carlisle, where they grow high-quality hemp to produce superior-tasting CBD and CBG, unlike anything else you'll find on the market. I have a lot of problems falling and staying asleep at night, but since I started using Rolling Acre CBD and CBG before I go to bed, I noticed that while I'm not getting more sleep, I'm getting better sleep, more quality sleep, and I feel more rested when I wake up in the morning. Rolling Acre spends long days on their farm planting, nourishing, and harvesting their hemp by hand and processing it in a state-of-the-art lab right on the farm before it only leaves to be third-party tested for both quality and potency. Friend of the show Nate Blazer uses Rolling Acre for his gluten allergy, telling me that he notices improvement within 30 minutes of using it. And if you go to rolling-acre.com, you can learn more about the farm, shop their selections of 1,000 milligram full-spectrum CBD and CBG tinctures, and when you're ready to try it for yourself, you can use the promo code STRONGWORDS to get $10 off your next purchase. They even have two flavors that your dogs, cats, and horses will love. So again, go to rolling-acre.com, use the promo code STRONGWORDS at checkout, and receive $10 off your order. 
Available to ship in all 48 CBD and CBG legal states. You can find them on social media at Rolling Acre or go to rolling-acre.com today. So I hope that you enjoyed this volume of Shot Glass Diaries here on Strong Words with Ian Strong. Again, as I do with every volume of Shot Glass Diaries, if you'd like to see pictures of the shot glasses or of the rest of the photos that I took on this trip itself, you can do so by visiting any one of my social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Ian Strong Words, and you can see all that for yourself. If you'd like to tell me about your experiences that you had in San Francisco or Napa Valley or Alcatraz or on the Golden Gate Bridge, you can do so by getting in touch with me on social media or by emailing this podcast at strongwordspodcast at gmail.com. And if you can take a minute after listening to this episode to write a review, leave me a rating, like, follow, subscribe, all those things, they genuinely help out the show, and I thank you so much for taking the time to do that. But that'll do it for another episode of Strong Words with Ian Strong. Come back next week as I have an amazing show lined up for you. You know, I talk a lot about movies on this show, but it's not very often that I get a chance to talk to somebody who's been in a movie on the show, and that's exactly what I'm going to be doing next week. And not just any actor from not just any movie. I'm going to be talking about the man who starred in my favorite movie as a kid, The Monster Squad. You may not have heard about that movie, but if you have heard about it, I'm sure you're already feeling the excitement of being able to talk to Andre Gower, who played Sean, the leader of the Monster Squad in the group. If you haven't seen Monster Squad, you got one week to catch yourself up on it, or you can also check out Andre's new documentary, Wolfman's Got Nards, about the relationship that the fans have given this movie to keep it alive despite it being a box office disaster in 1987. So don't forget to check that out one week from today. Andre Gower is going to be on the show talking about his experiences making the Monster Squad and his Wolfman's Got Nards documentary. But in the meantime, as I say every episode, stay safe out there. Spend a little time every day doing something that you love. And if you got something to say, keep your words strong. How strong? Ian Strong. Strong words!